Hey everyone, welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and to understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. Today you'll be hearing from Devana May, who is a holistic healer incorporating herbalism, aromatherapy, movement, breathwork, sound, meditation, and sacred feminine practices, essentially bringing the divine feminine back into the collective conversation and helping women in particular heal. She's also the co-founder of Sacred Sister Circle, where women come together to connect and remember and activate their highest selves and engage in these sacred rituals together. And Heather of Activation Vibration is actually her co-founder, who I've also had on the podcast. So that might be a fun episode for you to check out as well. So essentially, through Devana's own journey and working with her community, she has firsthand seen how these modalities shift and expand our consciousness, create new patterns and awareness for us, and bring people to the doorway of healing themselves, which is really what I love so much about her work, is that she teaches us how to heal ourselves. Like, everything is within us, everything is inside of us. And it's just a matter of connecting and expanding and understanding that everything is possible and that we are innately worthy of having beautiful lives. So in this episode, we talk about plants as medicine and using essential oils. She has some amazing tips around that. We talk about Devana's spiritual journey and healing from traumatic partnerships. We talk about trusting your intuition and the beauty and transformation of pregnancy because she's going through a beautiful pregnancy right now. And of course, reconnecting to the divine feminine. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. And thank you so much for listening and being here. I know that there are a lot of other podcasts out there, so I'm always so grateful to know that you're tuning in. I really appreciate it. And if you feel like a friend might benefit from this episode as well, please go ahead and share it and let us know what you learned and what you think and what else you'd like to see content-wise from this podcast. All right, guys. Love you, and I'll talk to you on the flip side. First question I love to ask people is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any morning rituals or routines that you come back to? Yeah, well, before becoming a mother, it was like a full-on routine, right? Lighting my candle, journaling, doing yoga, doing breath work, having a two-hour long, like, beautiful rise to my morning. And now it's so different. Every single day is so different. And that's what I've surrendered to. I'm like, okay. I'm letting go of that. Like, I need to have this routine every morning because it's just not going to be that way right now. And that's my practice. It's just like accepting the difference of every single day, because some days I'm up five, some nights I'm up five times a night with Cairo breastfeeding, you know, we co-sleep and I'm just so grateful to be able to sleep in. And when he wakes up, I wake up with him. Some days I'll wake up before him because I just couldn't fall back asleep and I'll let him be there and I'll have a little morning to myself. So that's been my thing is like, it's different every day. So it could be as simple as drinking a glass of water. That's like what I try to make my every morning, right when I wake up, every rising, I have my water, I infuse it with some love and prayers and 
drink it a whole glass maybe if i ha if i can get really fancy i'll put some lemon in there i'll heat up the water <laughs> <laughs> or like sometimes it's like my my ritual rising drink like my cacao or like my golden milk like just something to nourish my body um and then during postpartum i actually did have this beautiful routine because it was when he was still just laying there's a baby and i can wake up and it was lighting palo santo that real that plant really helped me palo santo and taking a flower essence and just saying thanks and praise like just giving praise for the for the new day and i would do that every day and i played music i played mantras this beautiful playlist that i found and i would listen to that every single day i would do that same thing and that helped so much in my healing so the very beginning of motherhood i had this consistent practice it was short you know some essential oils flower essence light palo santo listen to the to the mantras and that helped me a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like you really do have to surrender everything when you have little humans running around and you're raising them so how would you like to help them integrate and how would you like them to start their days off when they're old enough to yeah. start that yeah that's such a beautiful idea i'm like we should start that now like um waking up always saying thank you you know because like just saying thanks and praise for a new day like and getting them to start doing that and and maybe it's like putting on some music because he was a part of that whole you know morning mantra putting on music and maybe it's moving our bodies or just like coming back into our bodies maybe it's like taking also flower essences or whatever like plant plant you want to infuse and in, it's in part of that rising ritual with the with the little ones um maybe it's doing some yoga if i can right now cairo has never been able to like just let me do yoga that's never been a thing like, he crawls on me he wants a nurse like maybe when he's older like maybe we can like do a little yoga flow together on the mat mm -hmm. um, yes bring them into it that's beautiful can you talk to us a little bit about plant essences and your experience with plant medicine in general? I keep hearing you mention like Palo Santo yeah. and flower <laughs> essences. Oh my goodness. So my journey, that's like part of my, my story is that um, I started dreadlocks back in 2014 and I took a class that was in LA yoga magazine in the back. They have a little schedule of events for the month. And there was a class, learn how to make your, um, your own Ayurveda beauty products. So I went to this class. It was beautiful. It was in Venice and she had all these beautiful essential oils and she was teaching us how to make sprays and soaps and deodorants and face washes just using these natural ingredients. And I was like, wow, I was already in that process of starting to throw out all my like toxic chemical perfumes and hair things. And I was like, oh my goodness, these plant, these essential oils, these or orange in a bottle. I was just like in love and then left, went to Rainbow Acres next door, bought all these uh, essential oils, was in love. So that was my first like real introduction with essential oils. My name, Devana, is a flower that grows in India that is used as an essential oil. And so my mother named me after this flower. I knew my whole life it was an essential oil. She has the bottle still from like the 80s. But that was all I knew. It's essential oil that's used in desserts and in perfumes. Mm. And then a few months later from the same magazine, I took a class 
become a certified wisdom of the earth medicinal aromatherapist. I had no idea what that was. I signed up for the class. I was like, this sounds amazing. It was all like spirit guiding this, right? And I emailed the teacher, I'm signing up for the class. And she said, oh my goodness, Devana, that's one of my favorite essences. Have you ever tried her? You will during the class. And so took this class, it was three days long. It was so beautiful, changed my life. We had to pick one flower essence. So they call them essential essences. They're, they're essential oils, but because they're just pure, nothing added, nothing taken, they're like the essence of the plant. That's why they call them that. Separate from flower essences that are have no smell, um, completely different. We can talk about that, but took this class, amazing. We had to choose one flower, one plant to work with. I chose Devana. I was in the process of moving. So I had it shipped to my mom's house where I was gonna be moving in with my fiance at the time as a stepping stone for our next place. So I get there, start using the, the oil, just rubbing it on my skin, you know, rubbing it on my heart. Then I would just cry and cry. And I wanted nothing to do with my partner. It was his birth, it was his birthday. And I was like, not interested. He left the next day to go out of town for a week. And I Googled, like this came to me. I finally Googled with the clarity of him being gone. Is my controlling boyfriend causing anxiety and oh, um, depression? Because I started to have really bad anxiety, depression, insomnia, thinking of paranoia, which I'd never experienced, thinking death, constant thoughts about death, that I was going to die, that people were going to kill me, that just constantly looking over my shoulder when I'd be walking my dog. And then I realized from this Google search that I was in an abusive relationship that I was in a psychologically and emotionally abused relationship, which is very hidden, right? It's just, it's not like they're beating you. So you like, don't really know that you're being abused. So four and a half years of that starts to change the chemistry in the brain. So that's what I was slowly starting to have these like mental, um, just, yeah, having a lot of stress in my body and my mind being in constant fight or flight. So on the bottle of Devana Essential Essence, it says, all the things it's great for a menstrual cycle, aphrodisiac. And at the end it says, awaken fast, gentle healing. And oh. <laughs> I woke up from that relationship. It was so fast. I did so much research because I was a psychology major in college and was like, how did I get into this? What, what? I went so deep into researching narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, the trauma bonding, all the things, Stockholm syndrome and never talked to him again like he came back I, I hid at my sister's house i strategically planned my escape because you have to be smart in it with these kind of things went completely no contact because that's the only way to heal and to come back to yourself never saw him again like never talked to him again for three years and i ran into him like three years later but yeah so that i was just like plants oh my goodness they are put here by creator for us to use as medicine and they all work for us in different ways. And for me, it was the flower of Devana bringing me back home to Devana. Oh my gosh. That story <laughs> just gave me the chills. It's like from point A to the final point of you finding this opportunity to working with your name essence to having this like awakening. That is wild. Yes. And then that became my like soul path. And I was like, to empower women and help women. And I've, have, I've helped so many women out of abusive relationships just from sharing my story. They'll start connecting little pieces in their own lives. And like, 
just getting to the root of self-love. And this is like, uh, this is the real pandemic in this world that like women, you know, like this is a huge thing in our world um, that we're dealing with and healing from. And like, it goes so deep. Absolutely. So was this kind of your introduction to your self-healing journey, I guess, or had you already started to unravel and start your spiritual journey? In that relationship, I was starting my spiritual journey. Um, I, that's like with him, like we stopped eating meat. It was like, we went really deep into the, into the Rastafarian path. Like we really went into the reggae and I would read the Bible every day. I was, so I went deep into like Christianity in that relationship because that's what he was. And then we started like going in more into the Rasta path and so I was already starting my awakening in that. And even before I found the flower, a white owl came to me when I was leaving um, from teaching a class in Manhattan Beach and a white owl flew and landed on the telephone pole. And I was just staring at this owl. I had no idea about animal totems and spirit animals, none, none of that yet. But I was just, boom, like huge download came to me. I was thinking about, right away started thinking about him and something like that. Like it was like this, feeling in my body that wasn't good. And then I was thinking about this owl for two weeks and finally Googled white owl meaning. And then that's when the whole like spirit realm of the animal world came to me. And then that was so deep. The animals came to me so much. I was already on that awakening path. So I was like seeking it out, seeking it out. There were so many like signs to pull me out of this relationship because I was so deep in it. I like broke through a force field. So like all my angels, all my guides, like everyone was like giving me the sign. So I was on that search already. Um, but then the flowers and working with the plants, like just took it to the next level. And then leaving that relationship was when I was like, oh, I have healing to do because I almost repeated the cycle like, really fast. This other man came in and it was like, oh my gosh, I was able to see like, whoa, this is a pattern. And I read, unless you do the work, you're going to continue to attract the same type of man. So that's when I, that's when it was like, oh shit, like this is me. I need to do this. That's, that's when I started getting to the root. And then I was like, oh, my father is a, was an abuser. He was my first abuser. And even though, and that's part of the illusion, I still put him on a pedestal, even though he beat me, even though he was physically abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive. He was the tyrant. I still held, was the daddy's girl. And so that was part of my fog of coming out of the fog in both of those relationships. And I went deep into my healing journey, went to therapy and went to all, I did so much work to, um, to like get to that root of like how I attracted that. And I think that was the key, like doing, like being so into like wanting to heal. Absolutely. Do you see women who come to work with you? What's their major block? Do you think it's just that they aren't ready to heal yet or they need somebody to push them? Or what are so many of these women struggling with? It's the, the self-love. Like that's like the biggest thing is like the self-love and also that um, kind of, it's like that illusion like of thinking that our parents like were perfect, like kind of that, like needing to like, break out of that like oh wait actually no they like my primary caregiver was really abusive like and then seeing that and it's like okay getting to that root wound and like that inner child work and so the blocks that I feel like um I see the most is like connecting to the 
connecting to like the, the feminine, like that inner sacred goddess within. That's like what most of the women who come to me, that's like the work we're doing and connecting to, to the womb and to the yoni, like that whole like root sacral solar plexus. <laughs> mm. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Just womb consciousness and connecting to our divine feminine again, because for so long, women have just been in this place of shame collectively. And so many of us are able to break out of it and we're rising, but it's still, I'm personally still unraveling and still getting really comfortable in my feminine and balancing mm -hmm. out my masculine energy. So I'd love yeah. to hear from you about that too. Yeah. It's like so many of us are coming to this path because that's where we've been. We've been as a society in this masculine way, disconnected from our bodies, from the earth, from our yonis, from our wombs, all in the mind. And now we're like dropping back and down into our bodies into our hearts, into the earth. And it's so beautiful to see. And so the biggest thing, like the blocks that I've seen is that disconnection from the womb, which is we've, we weren't taught this. We're like, our mothers didn't teach us this. You know, it's like the trauma in our generations has lost this wisdom and, and we're regaining it and remembering. Um, but that womb connection and that yoni, it's just like knowing that you are sacred, knowing that your body is sacred and it comes with the boundaries. Like who is entering into your sacred space? Who are you allowing into your room, into your womb? And knowing that that's okay. So many of us are in that people pleaser um, roles, women, um, usually because of a parent. And so knowing that it's okay to put up boundaries, it's okay to say no, it's okay to hurt someone's feelings. It's okay to walk away. Like, um, so for a lot of us, it's like coming for a lot of us, it's actually going into that masculine, you know, like that balance coming into balance. And then for a lot of women, it's coming more into that feminine. And the womb is connected to our source of, of sensuality and abundance and listening, that stillness connecting to the cycles, connecting to our blood and to our menstrual cycle, which has been huge. And that's all part of self-love because we were, you know, taught that our blood is dirty and, you know, all those, that old programming so many of us are healing from is connected to the womb and all that shame that we've stored in our womb from bleeding to being sexual, to being sensual. And so when we connect to our blood, I feel like for me, that was like, that was part of like the ritual and the healing of like, okay, every month my blood comes, I'm going to offer it to the earth. I'm going to rest. I'm going to really tend to myself like a queen. And that was so healing and like coming back to me into my, into my body, into my essence and self-love. Mm -hmm. What other practices could we integrate to more deeply connect with that? So I feel like starting even just with that, because some women aren't even there yet where they're like, oh, my blood is sacred. So it's like, okay, every month when your blood comes, what are you doing? Are you still pushing yourself really hard and fast and working through that whole week? Um, so the first thing I would say that I feel just so deeply about and has worked for me and I've seen work for so many women is resting at least on day one to day three, of course, if you can't do it, at least day one, like to do your best to do nothing. And that is like one of the greatest practices. And it's so hard to do in this modern world. But if you can like lay in bed in the dark for like 
one day, you know, get up, make yourself some soup, like move slowly, your life starts to shift because you're telling your body and you're telling the universe, you're telling, I'm listening to me, I'm pausing now so that I can have more energy for the rest of the month, for the rest of the year. And that's like the secret elixir to like the fountain of youth. If we, if women were able to rest when we bleed, we can go, go, go for the rest of our lives instead of burning out and getting diseases because we just kept moving, moving, working all year long, all month long, every day. So like just that, resting, you can do that, amazing. And then if you want to get, you know, a little fancier with it, saving your blood, do, offering it back to the earth. And that, that um, reciprocal energy is so beautiful because you're feeding the mother, you're feeding the earth who feeds us. And you're like imprinting your DNA into the soil. And the earth is just like, yes, like, thank you. Thank you. You're like feeding your stem cells. Your menstrual blood is so rich and vibrant with life and stem cells and you're giving it back to the earth and it's like this beautiful flow of, of abundance starts coming into your life when you do that that's what i noticed um so maybe giving your blood to the earth maybe working with um a specific plant that you like and tuning into your intuition to see maybe each month it's something different i love to work with rose i love to work with geranium like Maybe it's an essential oil that you love to rub on your body. Maybe you're just using an oil and like a olive oil, you know, jojoba oil, rubbing it on your skin, on your womb. Maybe you're making your nourishing infusions. And so after I did my aromatherapy, I was like, I want to know more. Like I want to work with the actual plant material. And then I did my herbalism apprenticeship with the Gaia School of Healing and where we went deeper into like all of the witch wisdom and the wise woman tradition and like that changed my life. It just constantly learning and growing. And we learned about herbal infusions. And that's where you work with one plant. There are many herbalists that will work with one plant for just an entire year to really get to know the plant. It's fun to also, you know, have a blend of different plants together, but you make an infusion, you put your herb in a jar of water, uh, your dried herb, and you cover it with hot water, cover it with a lid, let it sit for four to eight hours. And then you have this really strong, strong tea. And so that's the difference between like a tea bag. Let's say if nettle would be five milligrams of calcium and an overnight infusion of a handful of dried nettle would be 500 milligrams of calcium. So it's like a really super strong tea and it becomes part of your, your ritual, your daily self-love practice. It's like so beautiful. And like, sometimes you'll notice like, oh my gosh, I didn't make an infusion for a week. And it kind of shows you where you are in your scale. Um, and you like carry it with you everywhere you go. It just feels so good. You have this plant as an ally that nourishes mind, body, spirit. And there are some plants you can work with every single day. And there's some that you might feel called to like just when you're bleeding. And it's just so fun to work with the plants in that way. Oh, I love that. Like a plant as an ally. That's really beautiful. Yes. I just did my first yoni steam the other mm -hmm. week and that was great. Do you like to do yoni steams and ah, all of that? Yes. <laughs> yoni steam. That's like a huge, see all the womb, all the flower, all the plant work has been so, so vital on my journey. Yoni steams. I actually first learned about right after I got out of that relationship. I had a dear friend come over who I've known since sixth grade and she's always been into the plant. She's been on that journey and she gave me a, ba a bag of herbs for yoni steaming and she taught me about yoni eggs and so she really introduced me to that 
And then um, I just kept going with the yoni seaming. And I love to do that. Uh, that's what I miss the most about being pregnant is like, you can't yoni seam. You can't, there's no moon blood. There's no yoni crystals. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to bleed again. <laughs> But yeah, I would just do it at different times whenever I would feel called um, during like, I might do it for the new moon or the full moon or right before I bleed or right after I bleed, just tuning into my intuition because I never really had like a physical ailment in my womb that I needed to address mm -hmm. with seeming. So it's been more of like, just like a cleansing, mind, body, spirit, ritual, practice, connection. Totally. And tell me about the, the yoni egg. I've never used a yoni egg, but is it like just integrating a crystal within us or? Yeah. So there's specific eggs, um, specific crystals meant to go inside of us. You don't want to just grab any crystal, right? There's some that would be toxic in your body, but yoni eggs came from China. It said that the empresses of China would use the jade egg as this beautiful practice, um, for many different reasons. And it's a really empowering practice. And then with the rise of the patriarchy, this practice was kind of like shunned, pushed away, hidden, and now it's coming back like many of the other things we're doing. <clears throat> but it basically, so many things. It not only physically helps you with like lubrication or pelvic floor toning or um, different like physical diseases that women might have, it is like, a, for me, the, the benefit for me the most was like the connection to my body, connecting to my yoni, empowering, like, who needs a man? I have a rose quartz in my pussy, you know, <laughs> like, I don't need you, you know, it's like, it's like this practice to come to like, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to work with my yoni egg tomorrow instead of like, oh my gosh, just he going to call me tomorrow. It's like, no, focusing your energy back into you, into you. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Of it. It's like part of that. You charge it with the moonlight. You you put it in the earth. It's just like this another tool to use in our in our journey. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too about using um, herbal essences and essential oils. Like, how do you like to use them? Do you like to like smell, rub it on your body? What are other ways where we can integrate that? Yeah. So for essential oil, I personally, because I the ones that I use are. 100% pure, um, nothing added in, nothing taken out. They're all food grade, so like you can ingest them. That's like what you want to look for. Mm. Really want that high quality. Like, can you can you eat them? Can you eat them and you can put them on your skin? Um. So I like to put them directly onto my skin because they get absorbed into the bloodstream. The best way to just put them right onto your body. If you're sensitive or if you want to dilute them, then you would use a carrier oil like olive oil, jojoba oil, apricot oil. Um, like if you're going to rub them on your entire body, you would want to use that. If I have like a headache and I want it to be strong, I'm like, I'm just going to put peppermint directly on my temples, on my forehead, on the back of my neck. Um, if I'm going to take a bath, I'll drop a few drops in my bath. Water actually makes them more powerful. The water pushes the oil into your body even more. So just being aware that like if you get some on your skin and it burns, water isn't going to take it off. Like an oil will take it off. Um, so I like to, I don't use, I don't really diffuse them. I've never really been into the diffusing of them. I don't know why I'm like, oh, it takes too long to turn on that thing and put the fill up the water and like have it in the air. I know a lot of people love it. I have one. I just don't use it. Um, I like to, like to just put it right on onto my body. 
especially like if I'm feeling like, oh, something's coming up, like I'll rub it on my chest. Or I like to work with the chakras. Like if I'm doing specific energy work, I'm like, okay, like rub it on my sacral, rub it on the womb. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's really powerful in the heart too. Mm-hmm. Like peppermint sometimes I put there and it's like, feel, it gives you this ease of breathing and just like opens you up. It's wonderful. Yes. Yes. And I know women who have had fibroids and who have had cysts and they'll use the medicinal grade essential oils, put, put different blend, different ones on a tampon and then insert the tampon and do that many times throughout the day for several days and it will completely go away. Whoa. Yes. That's so cool. This is why I wanted to ask you because you've got all these amazing, like deeper understandings of how to use them. Yes. And there's like a lot right now going on. There's a lot of people really against essential oils because they take up a lot of plant material or they're saying like they're way too strong. We don't need them or they're messing with our microbiomes. Like for me, it's all about balance. And that's what the plants help us do is they help bring us back into balance. And we've been so out of balance as a society, as a world. And so we're coming back into balance and it's finding the balance in our lives and with the plants, you know, you're not going to, it's just like using your intuition and, and knowing how to work with the plants. And the biggest thing is having deep reverence and honor for the plants, like introducing yourself to the plant, asking, please help bring me the highest healing. Like, thank you. Thank you, creator, whoever you want love to thank for this medicine. Um, And when you do that, it actually gives even more power to the plant, to that healing, like just bowing, you know, in reverence that they are teachers, they are elders. They've been here longer than us. They all work in the paradigm of divine love and they're teaching us how to get back into divine love and harmony within and without. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like them, but it's like, listen to you. Like if you like them, I love them. Like I'm going to keep using essential oils forever. And sometimes it's just rubbing on your hands and breathing in for like 30 seconds and letting it infuse up into the pathways and go into the brain. Mm. Gift our consciousness. Our nose is a gateway the ancient Egyptians considered our nose the gateway to our consciousness because it's like, you know, to the brain. And so in- inhaling the plant is also just very healing. Amazing. What else can we learn from ancient wisdom and just, you know, spirituality as it goes way back and integrating that into our daily practices? Like, what are we forgetting that you're starting to bring back in? Listening. I feel like the listening and like the slowness and the stillness is so important that we've been missing. And that's what this whole year has been showing us, like being forced to stay in our homes. And, you know, it's like the earth is asking us to listen and be still. And the ancient peoples knew that, like when you're walking to like ask for permission and to listen for the answer, like before you enter into a sacred space, and the earth, if you're going to go hiking, like, don't just walk in, don't just park your car and walk in, like, first, like, stop and, like, observe and listen, are you welcome here right now? If you're going to harvest a plant, if you see a flower that you want to pick, like, don't just pick it first, you ask for permission and listen for the answer. It's not always going to be yes. And if you hear no, can you honor that? Can you come back another day? And sometimes you might have to keep coming back. One of my teachers, Marisha, said she went for like a year to get to the plant and it kept saying no 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 and then finally that said yes it's like she wasn't ready yet to receive that medicine it's like 
to build that relationship with the plants is also the ancient way of like building relations with their animals, with the earth, with the plants. They have so much wisdom, even just sitting next to a plant. You don't even need to use the essential oil, just sitting next to a plant and listening, introducing yourself to the plant you're next to and just sitting and listening for the messages that come through have been such a beautiful part of my healing. We did that with the wisdom of the earth uh, training. We would go and pick a tree and just like introduce ourselves to the tree and put our backs to the tree and just sit there mm. and listen. Mm-hmm. And down. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about your pregnancy journey too and how you're learning more about yourself as a woman and your connection to nature through this cycle that you're in right now? Oh, wow. Yes. So this pregnancy is completely different from my first one because I'm doing what's called a wild pregnancy. And that is that I have, excuse me, I have not gone to a doctor or seen a midwife once. I haven't taken a pregnancy test. And the reason for that is because what I experienced in my first pregnancy was such a huge awakening shift in my life that it transformed me to come back into my own power and to listen to my body and to trust. It's like this deep trust, like your body, like you've got this, you are protected, you are safe. Like listen to your body. If something feels wrong, then maybe you want to go see somebody, but why do we need to just keep running, running every month to go have someone in a white coat tell us what's going on with our bodies? I just want to give thanks to the Free Birth Society because they have the work they're doing to help women empower themselves in this journey is like radical. It is next level. And they have a course, the Radical Guide to Free Birth or the Guide to Free Birth. And that's what I'm doing. And I just started it like a few weeks ago. And it's just, it's just affirming what our, the journey I was already on with this pregnancy. Like they talk about not taking a pregnancy test and how both of them, that's like on their bucket list to do with at least one pregnancy to not take a test. And I'm like, I did that. Like, it just feels so good. Like, it's so empowering. It's, I can't even like express it because it's like, oh my gosh, like not go to a, see a doctor and the things that they do in these offices and the... Oh my gosh. It's like, it's wild. (laughs) How did your consciousness shift when you got pregnant the first time or even this time? I don't know if it's different or what shifted for you when it, when it happened. Yeah. So with my first pregnancy, that was a huge, um, huge initiation because my partner and I, we separated and then I found out I was pregnant. So I had to go through a huge release of, of, am I going to keep the baby? Like I went through that whole battle for like three months. I had to get to this place of like, no matter what happens, I'll be okay. Like I had to just trust in God. Like I will be okay. If we don't get together, if I'm going to be single mom, I'll be fine. Like I'll be taken care of. And that was like my biggest fear. And I had to just pass through that fear. And we ended up getting back together and it's been so beautiful. And So I feel like that was my first like consciousness shift was like, I'm going to be okay no matter what, because anything can happen. You can be married and something can happen to your partner. Like you never know. So I had to just get to this place that I'm, I'm safe. I'm protected. And then we were traveling a lot with that first, with my first pregnancy. So I was going to so many different doctors, different, depending on what city, what country we were in, just thinking that's what I need to do. Like, Oh, my monthly checkup. 
I was in Bali going to Bumi Sehat, which was amazing. Like volcano erupted. So we came back to California and then I had to find a new doctor. And I was just so exhausted at this point that I was just like, okay, fine. I'm going to birth in the hospital, even though it was the last place I wanted to be. But I just kept going and I didn't like my doctor. She would say things to me that were abusive, but because of my consciousness, that's where I was at the time to hold in my truth and not stand up and say bye. Cause I was still working through that to build that like resilience in myself to be able to do that. And I ended up getting put to sleep, general anesthesia and having a C-section because mm. I didn't feel safe to birth. My body wouldn't open all the red flags of all the things you read about what happens in hospitals, like happened to me, but it was also exactly what was meant to happen. Cause I truly believe that nothing happens without divine sanction. And like, based on our own level of consciousness, we attract the experiences that are going to help shift our soul. Mm-hmm. And I woke up from that birth, from that birth completely changed. Like it was for me, it was a death. It was a death and it was a rebirth. And I just woke up with so much gratitude for life and for the hospital and for the nurses and for my son and just like was completely changed. And so that's what I needed. And because I went through that now for this pregnancy, I'm like, I don't need any of those doctors. I don't need any of your checkups. I'm good. And so for me, it's like the next level of like coming into my power and trusting in my body and trusting in our intelligence that we've been gifted with since the beginning of time and giving birth. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. I do. I absolutely understand what you mean. Like nothing's going to come into our zone or our arena if we're not ready for it. And if it doesn't have something to teach us, like our triggers are our teachers, that kind of saying resonates for sure. Exactly. You know, like at 38 weeks, my doctor was like, what are you, an elephant? I should have been like, bitch, bye. You know what I mean? But instead I just sat there silently, like probably did a fake laugh, like, hee hee, because I was so caring because elephants hold their babies for two years. And it's like, you know, it's like, I just sat there and said I should have left. It's like just those things. It's like, that wouldn't have happened to me if that wasn't like part of my experience and my lesson. <laughs> totally. And that probably won't happen to you ever again because you exactly. wouldn't allow it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear too about the Sacred Sisters Circle that you started a little while ago. Yeah. So in that healing journey, when I came out of that relationship, I was so, when I would read story after story after story about women in the same exact story as mine, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, I was just in shock about how this is such a huge thing on our planet and how many women are in abusive relationships and how many don't make it out. And I was like, I'm here for the women. It was just this passion put inside me of like wanting to gather women together, to heal together, to share our stories, to to talk about our healing and just share our wisdom. And and then I took a, um, with sistership circle, I took a like little, so it was like a six week how to lead circle class that kind of like gave me the, I wanted to do it so badly. And then that gave me like this little like boost of like, okay, here's like, here's like a foundation. It kind of like set this beautiful foundation. And then I did my first circle and there were two people. I did like, I posted a meetup and I had two elders. There were two elders that we were living in central coast of California. And they came to my circle and 
we stayed friends for so long, still friends with them. And then I would just do another circle, another, and I just kept doing more circles. And my partner and I would do co-ed circles together. So it was just like slowly building. Um, we would have people drive three hours to come to our circles. And then started doing a uh, women's circle with another sister at her healing shop that she had. And we would sell out, like we'd sell out the room and be packed. And I just like kept seeing how this is the medicine. This is so needed. And it's just so fun to be creative because I get to use all of the things I love, the plant medicine, singing, movement, breath work, the womb healing, the meditation, the all the things I love and learned, have learned on my journey that have helped me. I get to share in these circles. Sacred mm. Sisters Circle was born um, a few months after Cairo was born, my son, and Albert, my partner, hooked me up with Heather, Activation Vibration. He was like, you two will be so good together as a duo. And so we started our, we had our first circle in 2018 and have just continued to grow. We've just been so consistent, like every month, every month, continuing to grow. And again, we'd sell out, we'd sell out. And now because of this shift, we moved to online and like, we're able to, you know, have hundred women join us instead of 30 because, you know, ethers are infinite. And so it's just been so beautiful. It's like just been this slow, organic blooming of the sisterhood. I feel like women are just craving that so much right now. I know when I came to California, I was like, I am just craving sisters and the softness of having women around and just like that deep connection. And I found it, I feel so grateful, but there's like a softness that comes with being around women that like helps us let our guard down and just like go into life with this ease Mm. that um, has been kind of unparalleled unless I'm really surrounded by women. Otherwise I'm a little stiff and I'm a little bit like, you know, I've got my shell, mm-hmm. but being around women is so healing. And especially since women have kind of, I, I don't know if you'd agree, have been pitted against each other, I guess, commercially, or we're in this consumer economy that just trains us to kind of look at each other in a certain way. And it's this unraveling and healing of that wound that at least I'm personally going through. Exactly. That's part of the wound. That's part of the patriarchy. It's the part of the wound that we're healing from but women in the ancient ways ancient times used to do this. They used to gather in circle. They used to gather when they were bleeding. They would gather and share. They would do each other's hair. They would wash each other. It's like part of what's in us. And then we've been, that's been taken from us. You know, the witches were burned for doing what we're doing now. And like, we're coming back so strongly and we're doing this. And you're so right. I love that. It's like this gentleness. It's this softness. It's this ease. It's like, Oh, that's what the feminine is. We get to just come into our feminine. It's amplified when there's other women around and it's just so inspiring. Like everything that the women share, we just like feed each other. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I just started this book called Sapiens last night. And it's so interesting to look at how young humans are. I'm kind of coming back to what you're saying about honoring the plants, honoring nature, because they've been here for so long and they carry this wisdom of the earth with them. And Humans have only been here for like a few thousand years, really. And plants have been here for millions of years. But it brings me back to your, your talking about connecting with nature. And how can you help us understand how the feminine is so deeply tied to nature and how we can step more into that reality? Yes, it's like the Mother Earth, right? It's like what we're, what we're taught, the Mother Earth, because 
she gives us so much. She gives her body to feed us. That's literally what we do as women nursing our children. We're giving our blood, our the, turns our waters that turn into breast milk to our children so that could, they could grow. It's like, it's like the microcosm, the macrocosm, like we are the earth. And when we leave these bodies, where do our bodies go? They go back into the earth. No matter if you're cremated or buried, whatever's going to happen, maybe you're going to turn into your light body and you're going to send and you're going to take your body with you. <laughs> but like we are of the earth. Our, we're literally made out of silica and the minerals of the earth. And we carry our children in our wombs. We are in the cosmic womb of the great mother. And it's the same thing. We're feeding our children what we eat, what we put into our bodies and goes into our systems through the umbilical cord, feeding the child, giving the child life and nourishment. And when we connect to the cycles of the earth, when we rest in the winter and honor the stillness and honor the darkness of the winter months, then we're able to have energy and wisdom that we receive from that cosmic womb, that dark time to blossom into the spring and to shine and share our gifts of the fruits of summer and then to slowly release and let go in the fall and shed what no longer serves us to go back into that dark womb to receive the wisdom and the nourishment. And it's just this beautiful cycle. When we tune into those cycles, oh my goodness, life is just such a magical dance. You're like, oh, I get it now. And there's still so much to learn, but I'm getting it. <laughs> I'm so happy you're mentioning this because with daylight savings, it gets darker now earlier. It's, it can be kind of depressing. And I've, I've been looking at my life in the past couple of weeks. I'm like, why am I so tired? What's going on with my energy? And I've had to come back to exactly like you're saying, like, just, it's okay. This is the natural cycle. You're part of it. And just figure out how to relax into it a little bit more and understand that the energy is going to spike when it needs to. And right now, maybe it's a good time to rest. Yes, that is like the key to everything. Before my self-love journey, before I went into the cycles and the wise women tradition, I was like, summer, I'm just summer. My birthday's in summer. Summer's the best. And now it's probably like my least favorite time of the year. Like, because I'm like understanding. I mean, I love summer, but like that dark winter time that I used to dread and be so sad that like, oh no, it's winter. It's cold and dark. Now it's like, oh yes, we get to go within we get to do the shadow work. We get to, we get to be cozy in our warm clothes and we get to make warm drinks and we get to work with the plants and the adaptogens for our nervous system. And we get to, it's like this beautiful time in the winter that like, I feel like when you start to connect to it in that way, life just becomes like so open and like you just embrace all of the phases and all of the cycles. And it's the same thing with like the dark goddess, for example, like so many people ride, run from the dark goddess don't even know who she is, don't want to acknowledge the dark goddess and like that darkness. And that's like what the winter is. And there's so much wisdom in that, in that time. Mm -hmm. What could we do to connect with that more deeply? Do you have any rituals or practices that are specific to the seasons for you? Is there anything that you particularly like to do in the winter? Yeah. In the winter, I'm like thinking of like past winter. I love to do just like deep, like inner work. I mean, it comes all throughout different times of the year, depending on what we're going through. But like the winter is like, is going to bed earlier, is starting to cook dinner earlier, 
eating nourishing broths and stews and soups, like making warm root vegetable foods, uh, going for walks and just looking at how the plants shift during this time and like what wisdom we can learn from that, from the plants, just like being in their stillness with their leaves gone and what's happening underground, what's happening that we can't see and tuning into, um, into that, like doing like maybe like spirit realm work or wanting to connect with your, your angels or your ancestors or your guides, um, doing more like introspective work. Um, maybe you're lighting a candle and just like sitting in silence and just like being in that stillness and just meditating and listening. Mm. That would be like for the winter time, being warm, being cozy. Um, yeah. And then in the spring, there's like working with the flowers, working with um, the newness of life and like, what are you birthing? What are you here to create? Like, that's like slowly starting to come out. And then in the summer, it's like shining bright, like going out, socializing, putting your gifts forward, just like with the full moon. So we can also time things during the day. We can time it with the month and with the moon and we can time it through the year, through the seasons. Mm. I love that. It almost gives us permission to slow down and almost come back to this more primal way of being that's not so mechanical and so involved in the, the hustle and the go, go, go of every day and just release that. And that's usually when the best things come out is when we're surrendering to that anyways, our best ideas start to come up or just mm-hmm. miracles start to happen in a way. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Gift and surrender. And that's like the winter time is the archetype of the crone, which is like the 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 grandmother energy, like the wise woman. And like that archetype has been shunned, you know, from our society. Like we don't take wisdom from the grandmothers. Like they're just old, they're useless. But like, oh my goodness, the crone holds everything because she's no longer giving her her energy to mothering, to the people like constantly giving of herself, she can now just be the gift for the world. Like she can now just put all of her energy into herself so that she can give the seeds to the next generation. Mm. That's like what that wisdom carries of that time. Like there's so much wisdom in the winter, in the darkness, in the stillness, in the surrendering, like the honoring of death and seeing death as as the rebirth, seeing death as life and as part of the, the renewal. And if we don't honor that, then what, like what we see, what happens, right? You burn out. Like, absolutely. Peace comes. I wonder if that's why we've strayed away from respecting our elders more is because people are afraid of dying and they're afraid to look at getting older and they latch onto youth. Like, what is that about? It's like the yeah. wisdom that respects the elders knows that we're, we're infinite and that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. But yeah, we've lost our touch with our elders for some reason, especially in America. It's weird. Yes. I think there's so many, you know, ways, so many topics you can go on with that for sure. The elders are not respected. Their wisdom is not, um, is not like carried and also a lot of our there's been so much trauma i feel like too in the in our generations like it's almost like they for me personally like like my my mother or like my my mother-in-law it's like they're missing a lot of the wisdom that they weren't taught from their 
it's been skipping generations. It's almost like they're no longer carrying that wise wisdom that they were before because of because of the industrialism, because of everything, you know, trying to make it in America that their parents were doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's already happened in our past generations. And so it's like, now we're like really seeing it. And I feel like that's why we're, we're like, okay, time out. Like we need to fix this now. And so like, we're going to be healing this so that we can be the wise elders, right? That like mm-hmm. our great children, great great grandchildren can, can come to. And of course there are beautiful elders in different communities and they're there and people are going to them and we're, we're listening. Mm-hmm. A lot of our inner family dynamics, it's not there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just, it's so strange. But as I listen to my own grandmother more and just watch her and the way that she lives and how simple her life is, it's, it's really beautiful. And she always has something to offer, even though she's just a little more quiet and a little slower. Like she spends all day walking around the nature trails in her backyard and working with flowers and plants. She can identify everything. And amazing. I know I used to just take that for granted when I was a kid. And now I'm like, just be with her and listen to her and connect with her as much as possible. Mm, Amazing. Yeah. Devana, is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you want to touch on before we go? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we talked about so many things that I love. I know. Where do you see us going? Like, where do you see humans and consciousness evolving in the next like 20 years? Do you think we're going through a huge shift collectively right now? Or do you think it's... Oh, we're going through like the greatest shift of all time. That's right. We're in the winter of life. Like we're in the death, like a new world is being born. And so there's a lot of fear that comes with that, with that phase, right? So we're seeing that being played out in so many ways. And just like when you free yourself from an abusive relationship, the re the new life that is waiting for you on the other side is extraordinary. And so that's what's happening right now. Maybe that's something I would speak to a little bit is that what's happening right now as a collective is the same thing that I went through in an abusive relationship is now currently happening to our entire world with the corrosive control and fear and the, the manipulation that's happening on a grand level that people are falling into it's exactly the same exact thing that happens when you're in an intimate partner relationship and they're abusing you. And so seeing what's happening is bringing up a lot for me. Like, Oh my gosh, we're going through it. Like I'm going through it again, but now with everyone and like some people are in the illusion and they think that they're, you know, that people that they love them. They they have Stockholm syndrome and they think that their abuser really cares about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us know, can see what's going on. And it's like this, okay, in an abusive relationship, what do you do? You can't say anything to the woman. There's nothing you could say. She has to wake up on her own. Yeah. She has to wake up on her own. If you say anything to her, she writes you off and she cuts you off from being a friend. And so that's what we're seeing happening. So it's just like, I've been going through the struggle of like, I need to say something. I need to speak out. I need to speak my truth, which I will. And in time, I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it how I want to do it, but you just have to trust everyone's on their journey. Everyone's on their path. And those who wake up, wake up. And those who don't, don't. And it's all part of the soul path and plan. And then when you do, it's like beautiful and oh my goodness. So I'm, I'm, I'm holding that vision that we are going through that shift. 
We're going to come out through the other side and it's going to be so beautiful. I don't even think we can imagine. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. Be like what we can dream, but like, what is it going to be like? It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new paradigm. And I feel like the split is almost occurring currently like the people that I'm starting to attract and surround myself with like all of us who are going through this shift it's just different families that are appearing all around us and I'm like I'm already living in it like the conversations that I'm having I'm attracting men as friends who are just really awake really studying themselves going into their astrology and just truly understanding you know who they are which I've never experienced with men before so that's been really special but yeah, yeah, I love that. It's already happening. People already who are going to wake up are going to wake up. And yeah. people don't. Like for me, this year was one of the most amazing years ever. Like I, so many magical, amazing things happened for me this year. And for other people, they were, had the worst year ever, you know? And so it's like just holding compassion for, for, for all of us and for all, everyone's journey. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we can hold grief and joy at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. We don't always have to be in this happy, grateful, high vibrational place necessarily like honoring the cycle of emotions is completely natural as well and not suppressing any of that. Yes. Just like the seasons. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Devana, where can we find you? Where can people connect with you if they want to work with you? My Instagram is divine Devana, D-I-V-I-N-E-D-A-V-A-N-A. That's my Instagram. My website, which I totally want to redo, that's part of my 2021 coming up, is flowerandflow.com. Probably will change the name. And Sacred Sisters Circle is our sisterhood collective. And our website is sacredsisterscircle.co. And our Instagram is Sacred Sisters Circle. And so we have like beautiful newsletters that we send out every month. We're coming out with our course, our Sacred Sister Circle and Ceremony Facilitation course, because so many women DM us and email us asking how they can lead circles in their communities. And there's no way we can write out to every single woman how to lead a circle. So we created our own course and it's so beautiful. And that will be coming out in 2021. And we have our monthly membership which is called the sacred sisters inner temple and we do our monthly circles and they have access to that and nourishing recipes and different women come in and do workshops so just bringing the community together um for different events and vlogs and it's so fun and beautiful to see everyone connecting love it i'll link all of that in the description below too so people can find that really easily. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Devana. Like yes. so much from you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. I'm so grateful to have you here and I hope you learned something new. I always do. And this is why podcasting is just my favorite because we basically get a free education. We get to just sit back and enjoy absorbing all of this beautiful information So I'd love to know what you thought about this episode and you can find Devana on Instagram at Divine Devana and learn more about her work at flowerandflow.com. I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and HelenDenham.com where I do weekly blog posts. I send out a self-care Sunday newsletter. You can find links to my music and past podcast episodes, all the good stuff. 
So thank you again for being here and I will talk to you soon. Thank you.